When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of After Impact. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with the Doctor of Finesse. How you guys doing? And this is a show where we unpack the impact of impact theory, and today we are talking Dr. Joe Dispenza. Not to be mistaken with Dr. Finesse. Yes, indeed. Not to be mistaken. Not to be mistaken. But what he talked about was full of finesse. Very, very, very interesting nuggets. Uh, and looking through the comments of this interview um, on our YouTube page, it's, uh, it's clear that uh, his conversation, your conversation with him, really hit the mark with our, with our fans and our viewers for sure. Um, I mean, I love everything he had to say. Um, some things I already practice, some things I want to put into practice. Um, so yeah, very, very interesting, but yeah, if you're ready to dive in, I'm ready to ready. dive in. Ready. Let's All do right. it. So, uh, I guess, uh, my first question to you is, uh, for you to, ex can you explain the habit, uh, when it comes to what Dr. Joe Dispenza is talking about? The habit of you, the as he said. The habit of you. Yeah. Yes. I, I think this is a really interesting way of thinking about a human, a human life that we, I think, what do you say, by the time you're 30, like you're... Yeah. 85%, you know, habit and routine, emotions that you've felt before, thoughts that you loop around, and because your thoughts create an emotion, your experiences create an emotion, and your thoughts lead you to have the same experiences and the same emotions, your emotions lead you to have the same thoughts and thus same experiences, it's like you really do become this habit, this way of thinking, feeling, being, acting, mm -hmm. is really scary. Yeah. And when, the first time when I heard him say that in the research, it stopped me cold. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Like the, he calls it the finite states of being, that your brain only has so many states that it can be in, um, and that you're basically just like, a, like think of a, a piano. Mm -hmm. A piano only has so many keys, mm -hmm. right? And if you think of each one of those keys as sort of a, an emotional experience, there are, you know, you can play combinations, right? Of I, <laughs> yeah. I feel a little bit sad, but yeah. it's also kind of beautiful. Uh, and, you know, and you get that sort of beautiful melancholy. But then you've got like, oh, I've got um, a little bit of rage mixed with shame, <laughs> shameful rage. And it's like, there's only so many of those. Yeah. And when you begin to realize, oh, dear God, I've thought myself into these piano keys mm -hmm. and then I've written a song and that song is the emotions that I feel because life is one big cyclical loop, mm -hmm. Monday through Sunday, January through December, day to night. Like there's, there's something in the human experience, the way that we're revolving around a star, whatever it is, it causes it. But it's so insanely cyclical that we get up and we live the same life day after day after day after day. And I think this is part of the reason why people like vacations is it knocks you so far outside of your normal you yeah. that because, to Joe's point, Dr. Dispenza, <laughs> uh, you're in a new place, so you've got a new environment, creating new thoughts, creating new emotions, and you are becoming a essentially a new version of yourself. You're breaking mm -hmm. out of that habit. but. Once you understand that you can control that habit, you can change that habit and thusly change 
literally yourself and change your experience of yourself. And one thing I hope people do is go look up some of his videos because he shows the, um, I think they're dendritic connections, mm -hmm. reaching out for each other. And when mm -hmm. you see how biological a process that is, mm -hmm. suddenly it just brings home like, oh, when I learn something, that's what's happening. It's well, really, really interesting. For people who haven't seen those videos yet, and I'm sure they'll check it out, can you explain? Imagine what? tiny little fingers that are, like, hold your hands out in front of you and point your fingers at themselves. So anybody, if you're driving, pull over. And so now you've got your digits pointing at each other a couple inches uh -huh. apart. And what happens is you learn something new and like, let's say your index finger on your left hand fires and your pinky on your right hand fires. Well, because they're both firing, they literally like, they sort of bounce up and down until they, uh, uh, oh, they hit each other. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. you're the one that's firing. And now they're connected. Mm. It's fucking weird. And so at the end of it, they've got like these little tendrils. Imagine them kind of like hair. And they then like latch onto each other and, okay. and now they're, they're connected. Okay. And so, but if you stop using it and then another neuron fires around there, they realize, oh shit, I'm needed. There's no electrical pulse coming through here anymore. So we're basically not stuck together. And oh, I can feel something firing nearby. So they come undone mm. and they go and two new fingers connect. Ah. It's super interesting. Yeah, so I don't, that may have been terrible radio. I don't know for people listening on the <laughs> no, podcast right now. I apologize. But like, it was so interesting, A, how, how fast it happens. And then, and I don't know how much it was time lapsed. So I can't tell if it was a few seconds, a few minutes, or a few hours, but it's one of those. It's not a few days. Hmm. It happens very quickly. And then how easily they can be unwound when they're not being used and something nearby is being used, which is, and uh, Dr. Dispenza talks about this in the episode, that you can essentially unlearn things by building something new. And because there's, there's like basically a finite number of these in your brain. Yeah. And so rather than spending your time trying to undo those, all you have to do is do something new, yeah. learn something new, think in a new pattern, and they'll unwind that old thing, boom, and they'll rewind. And I've talked about this before, the reason that they connect like that is to allow the electrical impulses to travel faster mm. so that you're literally, you're thinking easier. You're thinking more quickly. Mm. So most people have trained themselves to think anxiety, to think stress, to think fear. And so it becomes so easy to do that. And they haven't taken the time to train themselves to think something positive and empowering. But it's equally possible. Hmm. And, you know, that begs the question. You always hear, I mean, they're different a variety of things that people do to treat anxiety and or depression. Uh, but a lot of times you hear, uh, I, I'll hear from friends going through anxiety that um, whether it's their psychologist or psychiatrist or a friend tells them, oh, try something new, learn something new, learn a new instrument, try to take a piano, you know what I mean? Play a puzzle, I mean, use a puzzle. I wonder if that has something to do with this, breaking from the habit. It's interesting. I will give it to you from my perspective as somebody who's dealt with profound anxiety that it would have to be something that triggers the, it's using the basically the anxiety neurons, if you will. Mm. So for instance, if you do something um, that 
normal, let's say um, getting up on stage makes you really anxious. Okay, cool. So we're gonna have you get up on stage and you're gonna do your thing, but no audience. So you're used to being up on stage, you're doing your thing. Oh, okay, cool, I'm fine. So now I'm, I'm up on stage and the stage itself now no longer gives me anxiety because I can do it when there's nobody there and I've gone up and talked so many times that my brain has just gone, oh, this, this thing does not warrant anxiety and thus mm-hmm. the anxiety begins mm-hmm. to diminish. So now we're gonna put one person, but it's gonna be your best friend. Okay, I'm gonna get it, oh, it's kinda dumb, man, but you mm-hmm. know, just bear with me. And you do your thing, do your thing. And suddenly it's like, oh, having one person in the audience, that doesn't make me anxious. Then I'm gonna bring, right? And so you keep building that up and suddenly your brain goes, oh, this is actually safe. I don't need to be anxious about this. And mm-hmm. so this activity that used to give me anxiety, because the anxiety is an anticipation, right? So it's like, oh, I think something is gonna go wrong. And so the anxiety builds, builds oh God, it's gonna go yeah. wrong. And then because you're so anxious, it usually does go wrong. And so yeah. your brain's like, see motherfucker, yeah, I told I you. I told you, and you're like, I ain't gonna listen. <laughs> so one of the reasons that they, they give um, medication is so that you'll be in that scenario and you just won't get anxious. And yeah. so it's training your brain, see? There's nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. So even though psychologically you still have like the the theoretical fear on tap, like you could explain to somebody, oh, I have fear of this, but if you've taken like a beta blocker or something like that, it's literally blocking the signal that would yeah. cause the anxiety to escalate. So now you're doing that thing, it's like immersion therapy, but you're unable mm. biologically to have the reaction. So the body goes, oh, well, I guess this isn't that big of a deal. It's pretty fascinating. It's very fascinating. Uh, well, according to Dr. Joe, people are conditioning their body into a state of fear, and they use these problems to reinforce their limitations. True or false? Truth. Truth. <laughs> Truth. Like, literally, this scares me. So here's the thing. Are we living through a, like, massive transition right now? I think we are. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I think since about 2005, okay. something has been revving up that's going to have massive implications because culture stacks on itself. Mm -hmm. The internet allows culture to stack really fast. Think meme economies, (laughs) right? Now, for whatever reason, there's like this whole awareness movement about um, mindfulness and all of that. Now, you can only have so many people be mindful, even if they're just trying to be like an Instagram mindful person. Mm -hmm. Do it and be like, this is actually kind of cool. Like, oh, just breathing into my diaphragm, like that felt better. And then talking about a growth mindset and and people talk about it so much. Like some of this stuff is, it's it's working. Yeah. Like it's actually working that Mm -hmm. people are talking about this enough. There are enough people thinking about it, putting it out there that everywhere you turn, you're like encountering this stuff and it's getting harder and harder to close your mind to it. Because no matter where you turn, somebody somewhere is talking about this stuff. And I'm super curious to see how this begins then to just really um, infiltrate, isn't the word that I want, inculcate? Like how it's going to seep into the like cultural subconscious and just really allows us to stand on the shoulders of those giants. Where was I going with that? What was the beginning of this? Because this does tie up in a nice... Reinforcing your limitations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you get like people have been for millennia letting fear limit who they are. But now I feel like we're on the upswing of something on the other Mm -hmm. side where people understand it's a trap. They understand Mm -hmm. it's a construct. They understand that we're doing this to ourselves and they understand that we can choose to do the exact opposite and Mm. build an empowering belief. And Christopher, how many times have I said, 
we like, I really believe once again in my life, I've gotten the timing so right on something mm -hmm. that we're going to be at the absolute forefront of this. Mm -hmm. And as this all starts happening, like impactivists around the world are going to be like, we were the first. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And I think you're exactly right. Uh, I love the conversation about um, the number of times you let something affect you, it becomes your mood, and then the longer you let it affect you, it becomes your temperament. And then when you let it affect you even longer, it becomes a personality trait. Word. Uh, and when I heard that, I mean, it's just uh, it was a simple explanation, uh, but it blew my mind because it's so true that most people let it get to a point where it becomes a personality trait. Mm. And you see it in real time. I mean, we, we could think of a number of people, you know, that you know in your life, and you think about um, how you've seen them get to a point where you forget that this just began as a mood swing. And then suddenly, fast forward past the temperament, it's now their personality, and that's who you know. And I feel, uh, as humans, we let it, you know, we let things get to us, we, we hold things in and they get to us and we don't break the habits. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, uh, on the stages of mood, temperament, and then personality trait? I think Dr. Dispenza addressed this really cool in his interview and he said that the body becomes your subconscious. Mm. And what he means by that is the, you get used to feeling things. Now, I couldn't explain exactly what's happening, but I'll give you like a really layman's version of it. Okay. So this is probably for all listening, this is probably not biologically correct, but it is so directionally accurate mm -hmm. that you're going to really, really understand. So you have this huge nerve in your body called the vagus nerve. Now, what most people don't understand is the vagus nerve is sending like 80% of its data from the body to the brain. Mm -hmm. Let that sink in. Okay. Not from the brain to the body, mm -hmm. which is what people think, mm -hmm. that your brain is telling your body what to do, what to feel, all of that. 80% of the biggest nerve in your body is reporting sensations back to the brain to mm -hmm. say, this is the state that we're in. Mm -hmm. Now, who's the loudest communicator? The microbiome. Okay. So now you have this nerve that facilitates the communication of a colony of trillions of little bugs, literally bugs, that are in a mood. They're in some state and they're telling you how to feel about it. Is it your gut feeling? It is, that's part of it okay. for sure. Right. But it all creates a systemic sense that you're getting this total feedback loop from your body, that there's no difference between your brain, your brain is not some standalone organ, and your body, it's just this like total communication feedback loop, which is how the body becomes a subconscious. It, it has so much ability to, oh God, this is where now I'm using dangerous words because they're not accurate, they're just directionally yeah. correct, but like they remember, they perceive, they yeah. anticipate, and so you'll walk into a room and you'll feel the hairs on your arm stand up and you're like, why are the hairs on my arm standing up? I don't even know where I'm at. I don't uh, know what I'm picking up on, yeah. right? But you're picking up on something, right? The body's read some signal or some, something that's in your subconscious has read some signal somewhere and suddenly you're, you're totally um, unnerved. You don't know why. And you start trying to piece together with your conscious mind what's happening. Do you watch Atlanta? I love Atlanta. Okay, great show. There's uh -huh. a, a cool moment where they go to get his jacket. Yes. Do you remember this? Yes. And they're sitting outside his house and they're just joking around. And all of a sudden, um, 
uh, Paperboy is like, something ain't right, something ain't right. And, and he starts looking around. And, you're, and you can tell, like, he doesn't yeah. know what's he wrong, know what. but he yeah. can tell something is yeah. wrong. Yeah. And then, boom, of course, the cops come yeah. and they drag him out and they, it was like a sting. And we've all had those moments. Oh, yeah. Where you're like, oh, I know something is not right. What is this? The spidey senses. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Spidey mm-hmm. senses. So I think that that's, like, whether his description is biologically accurate or not, I can't say. Mine is certainly not. It's just me sort of stabbing in the dark with the bits and pieces that I, I understand well enough to articulate. But, like, the end result is that. Mm. That we, there's, we are like a battery for emotional charges, and we hold on to them. Mm. Now, when you don't release that charge, which people don't even realize they're holding on to it, like you said, the emotion feels real. Because mm-hmm. it feels real, we hold on to it because oh, we yeah. feel justified in having had that emotion in the first place, which was probably caused by some interaction with somebody, a loss, a failing, an embarrassment, a whatever, a slight that we took personally. And now there's a logical reason behind it. They stole from me. And there's the emotional resonance. They both feel real. They reinforce each other. When somebody steals, that's how you feel. And then you feel bad because you lost that thing. You hold on to that. You're telling somebody about it. You're re-embodying the trauma. You're reliving it, like remaking it a thing. And it, it just becomes you. Now, again, this is me stretching, and I hope people enjoy it when I stretch versus only say the things that I really know how to do. And this is my... Tony Hawk, Rodney Mullen moment where okay. they, they both only could keep competing when they uh, were willing to try things that they might fail at. Yep. Um, but <laughs> reading about PTSD, I'm almost certain I remember this correctly, that if you've had a traumatic event, don't relive it. Don't write it in a journal. Don't talk to a therapist about it. And I was like, what? Yeah, that, yeah. And they're like, because as you relive it, you re-embody it and you magnify it. And every time you do it, neurons that fire together, wire together, mm-hmm. you're actually making it worse. And now I'm really at the edge. I may remember this or I may just straight be making it up, but I will just say, this is what I think, if what I just said is true, this is what I think people should be doing. Instead of reliving it, you should be rewriting it as you tell somebody. You're stating it in a positive way, like, mm-hmm. oh, this was beautiful and that person learned from this and this is what we all took away from that moment where it exploded, and, you know, because it's... If you focus on when the IED went off, just using a military mm-hmm. reference, if you focus when the IED went off, how terrifying it was, and that's how you tell the story, and you're reinforcing that, or how that one kid who got some random shrapnel was screaming, and just the sound of him screaming, and you tell it, and you start dreaming about it, you're just like, you're fucking amplifying that signal mm-hmm. over and over and over. If, on the other hand, you're doing things to dissipate that, you're in telling the story, you're letting go of that. Can I give you a real example? Sure. This is so minor. Please, everyone listening, know I know that compared to what I was just talking about with an IED, this is (laughs) pathetic. But nonetheless, it was like real in my life and it really, really bothered me. So, in fact, I'm... I am hesitant to tell this story because I will tell it in the true way. All right. And I'm I've worked curious. so hard to unwind this. Okay. So on my wedding day, it was very important to my wife that I not see her in the dress before she's walking down the aisle. Of course. And like you say, of course, right? Like it's a yeah. thing. Yeah. But it's also one of the things I was looking most forward to to watch her walk down the aisle. So everybody was like, oh, my God, don't look. She's back. You're going to see her. Because she was like, I could see all the way down the aisle to where she was outside. Uh Now, a Greek wedding is not like a normal wedding. In America, anyway, it's bum, 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 right? They start playing the here comes the bride Uh thing. And so, you know, as soon as the music starts, turn around. 
there's no music in a Greek church. <laughs> so everyone's like freaking me out. Don't look, don't look, don't look. <laughs> and so I'm not looking. And then, then all of a sudden, <laughs> motherfucker, my mom goes, she's almost here. And my heart dropped. And I'm like, uh-huh. what? I turn around and my wife is, is probably three quarters of the way down the aisle already. And I've been facing away trying not to see because I don't realize she's yeah. starting to walk because yeah. they don't play any music. Yeah. They don't say, please rise, nothing. <laughs> so I was like, oh shit. So I literally, in, in that moment, I remember I was, I had like 0.3 seconds of crushing, horrifying trauma that on the one day of my life, I'm gonna see this woman walk down the aisle. I missed three quarters of it. <laughs> And so in that moment, I say, let that go. Uh-huh. Don't think about it ever again. Mm. Like, just remember the final part that you are getting. And for the next, you're going to think I'm kidding. For the next seven years, I would just think, oh, man, remember you turned and you saw her and she was walking. <laughs> and I never talked about it was only, you know, the last yeah, quarter. Yeah. I just, you saw her and she was so beautiful. And I remember seeing her face and what it looked to like really burn it into my nervous system that I did see her and it's all true. All of it's true. I just didn't focus on the, and remember how fucking horrified you were because she was already, (laughs) you know what I mean? No, that makes perfect sense. So like, and that's what he's talking about in the episode. You've got to be so fucking careful. I'm telling you, Christopher, (laughs) I'm telling you right now, what you allow yourself to obsessively think about will Uh, determine the quality of your life. You know, what's so funny is as you're telling this story, I was trying to dig into my memory bank about things that I obsess about in a negative way and how I could do a positive spin on it. I'm literally making a list right now because I'm, I'm sure there's a number, there's just a number of them that's just creating this habit and reinforcing this habit and reinforcing my own limitations. Um, so yeah, that's a, it's funny because you compared it to the IED at first, uh, a preface in that one is very trivial and one isn't, right. but it's not. Because it is still a part of you, you know what I mean? And if you obsess over this one little thing and about what you missed in your situation, of course it's not that memory is going to be tainted forever unless you put a spin on it. Yep. So, yeah, so I got I to gotta make a list tonight. Because <laughs> I'm sure there is plenty. Dude, for um, sure. Yeah, so Dr. Joe talks about uh, being creators of our reality, which I think is cool. And in a sense, it's uh, predicting your own future. Which to me, I mean, anything, when you say future, my ears perk. Mm. Um, obviously, this isn't like psychically predicting your future, but it is basically creating your world, creating your future. Uh, and in a sense, because you're creating your future, you are predicting what you're going to be, what you're going to do, what the outcome is going to be, because you have control. You're, you create as your reality. I'd love to hear your take on that. On just our ability to create our own reality? Yes. And yeah, we, so the, I mean, going back to what we were just talking about, that that is the truth. It it ah, this is where people get confused. I'm not saying that there are no sort of verifiable facts. That isn't the point. The point isn't to spin a tale like you would when writing a story. And look, there there are some mechanisms. They're not perfect, but there are some mechanisms to protect you from truly wholesale um, just absorbing something that was never true to begin with. But I think that because there is actually a region of your brain that its job is to tell you not what happened, but how you feel about it, that part of the brain you can completely override. And you can completely override with a clean conscious, not that these are alternate facts or anything like that. It is truly, you're going to, like with Lisa walking down the aisle, 
I'm going to rewrite it in the sense that the, the sort of raw moment to moment thing was that I was very disappointed that I didn't see her coming the three quarters. But I was also actually, and this is very true, I was very proud of myself at how fast I was like, this day is, is gonna happen once in your life, man. Don't hold on. Like, mm. don't spend even five minutes lamenting. <laughs> it's not gonna serve you. So now, as I choose to loop back over this, do I loop back over the trauma? That was real. Mm -hmm. Or do I loop back over the pride that I let it go? That was real, right? So what makes, it has been said, Dr. Finesse, mm -hmm. that movies are the lie that reveal the truth or fiction is the lie that reveals the okay. truth. You are, you're narrowing the world down. It's what you leave out that makes the story powerful. Your memories work like a movie, which is why movies are so powerful. Movies aren't real time, right? They're just huge chunks that are taken out. Things are condensed down. And the language of cinema is born of the subconscious way that we narrate to ourselves, where we jump through time, um, that it's very easy to condense things, collapse them to their most emotionally poignant. Um, so whenever you're telling yourself a story, some part of your mind, conscious or subconscious, has chosen only certain bits. It emphasizes others. It emphasizes the importance of the bits that you've chosen. And so taking conscious control of that process, I really think will guide your, the happiness levels in your life, period. Mm -hmm. And you need only read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl to understand that this carries all the way out to concentration camps and surviving yeah. a concentration camp and losing your entire family uh, in a concentration camp. It, it's just how you choose to construct the meaning of what you went through mm. will determine how you live moving forward. This is one of those things where every now and then I, I know we're on something so profound and I fear that I'm either not saying it in a way that's really going to hit people or I'm not using the right words. This is this is one of the top five most important things you can understand about your brain and moving through life, period. Uh, man, just to jump in real quick, it's, um, it's crazy. I was just having this conversation yesterday um, that if people only took the time to understand the science behind their bodies, um, they'd be just amazed at what we can do to solve many of our own problems. Um, our problems internally, and then um, after that, yeah, our problems with our people-to-people -people connection. Uh, it's, you know, it's obviously it's not easy. You have to look into the science of things. But people take for granted that we are these creatures uh, uh, of habit, and our brains do the most miraculous things. And, of course, I know we only understand so much right now. Uh, but if people only took the time to even understand how our body works, it will help us uh, just tremendously. You know what I mean? And that's the good thing about this show, the people we have on the show, from the neuroscientists uh, to the athletes uh, to the thought leaders, uh, you know, and so on. These are all people who, one thing they have in common, no matter what the subject is, they still, in a sense, talk about the body, mm. uh, the, you know, the performance of athleticism you'll get from an athlete the performance of the brain you'll get you know through a neuroscientist or a neuroenthusiast um and they you know the whole mind body connection it's it's just amazing what 
we could learn about ourselves if we only took that moment to just look inside to just learn about it. So that's why it's so amazing. To your point, uh, we are definitely on to something. And I think there's going to be a huge movement of, you know, people globally understanding their bodies. And uh, this sounds so grand, but I, but I think it's going to solve a lot of the global problems. <laughs> you know, people always think exterior, you know, they think about the exterior and what the problems are um, that they have uh, between cultures, between races, you know, between money and status. And, uh, but I think there could be a common ground and a big understanding if we start looking inward. Word. Um, yeah. So uh, metacognition, just because you have a thought, it doesn't mean it's true. Yep. Yeah, burn that into your nervous system. That, that is um, a very powerful realization that everyone needs to embrace because people think so many negative thoughts about themselves mm-hmm. and they think, oh, well, I thought it and it's true. It's not even that they think I thought it and therefore it's true. It just, it appears as true. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's, it's a bit like um, somebody who is, uh, is it schizophrenics that actually see other people? Yeah. What, mm-hmm. That's what yes. our boy uh, Nash was, right? Yes. From A Beautiful Mind. Exactly. So it's not like you can tell who's real and who's not because the apparition, the hallucination presents itself as real. So they look the same, they feel the same, they have the same sense of presence, everything. So even when you are completely wrong, you're misreading yourself, it is, it all feels real. And so that's where people get stuck and they get trapped. And it's funny to me because I have such a high degree of awareness around it. I never take action based on it. But I'll go from, let's say in the morning, I think, oh yeah, I'm never going to be able to pull this off. And then by afternoon, I'm like, I fucking got this. You know what I mean? And I'm like, how is this the same person? Yeah. uh So it's like you can go from just like no confidence in your idea whatsoever to no, man, I'm really feeling it to the core of my being. And I laugh at both ends of the spectrum because I'm like, I know both of these feelings are transient. I'll be back at, oh, this is never going to work soon enough. But when I'm there, I know I'm going to be back at, oh, I've got this soon enough. Mm. And so it's about, you know, having that even keel of action that I'm always taking action, even in the face of great doubt, um, even when you're not believing in yourself, when you're thinking negative things. It's like when you understand that such is the nature of the human condition, you can keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, Yeah, I, I think you... I think you, you know, the, the more conscious you become of the unconscious mind, as Dr. Joe says, uh, the more you, you know, get in the right direction of breaking habits and uh, being deprogrammed. Um, so we can uh, actually, let me, what does it say? Can I say drunk when I wrote this? Let me move on from that. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to get into the dicey part of uh, as we're getting close to the end. Because I know... Let's get dicey. Yeah, let's get dicey. Because, uh, you know, I know some people think... Uh, we're getting into secret territory? Uh, Is that where we're headed? too much. But since he touched on it a little bit, you know, uh, I think we have to touch on it a little bit. Uh, you know, but, but, it's, but there's science behind it, too. All right, let's hear it. You know it. what I mean? Because some got? people can be like, oh, yeah, it's all mystical and spiritual. But other people can argue, oh, no, it's science. Okay, so... Can you signal the gene ahead of the environment to produce an accelerated and a positive emotion? Christopher, this is one of those times where I'm going to say I don't know 
There's so much about the body that I think we really don't understand. Like I read an article about how consciousness is a quantum effect that happens when space-time collapses in on itself at the quantum level inside your brain. And I thought, that sounds like some bullshit. <laughs> but do I really know? Do I really know? The smartest people in the world uh, are looking at this going, what the fuck is consciousness? Mm -hmm. Like, no one can figure it out. Yeah. Like, and the, the best explanation of this that I've heard is, all right, let's say you take a brain. And what, what animal would you say has no consciousness? And then let's just start adding like cell by cell to that brain. And at what point does it click over? And now it's conscious. Yeah. And by the way, what was it about me adding that cell that made it become conscious? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay. So then my response to that is, well, consciousness is a scale. So it's just at some point, there's sort of a messy threshold where depending on you and how you're feeling that day, you would determine, oh, this person either is or isn't conscious. And so it becomes degrees of consciousness. But even that, no one knows where the fuck it comes from. So because there's clearly something that we don't know and understand, that I'll say no one knows and understands, I can't say whether you can signal the gene ahead of an experience. I can say that thought is really, really powerful. Mm -hmm. I can say that if you put somebody, I remember, I've told this story before, so anybody that's heard it, bear with me. But I remember um, when I was writing full time, I was writing this story. It was a prose story. Mm -hmm. And so you're really like sinking in mm -hmm. and writing, writing, writing. And it was set at night in the rain. And I was writing it. Oh, is that me? Oh, alarms. Yeah, oh, oh, sorry. That so, was supposed to be a silent alarm. <laughs> silent alarm? Those don't exist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm sitting, I've got my windows blacked out in LA. So the room that I'm in is black, but it's actually broad daylight and it's a really hot day, bright and sunny. Mm. And writing for hours and hours and hours. And I walk out into the sunshine and I was like, whoa, that's right. It's not actually raining. But I was so mm. in my imagination. Okay. I was so, that it was real. I could hear the rain. I could feel that sense in the air when it's raining outside. And I wasn't like actively thinking about it. It was just there. And it was so just there and taken for granted and, and like actually raining in my mind that I was surprised by the sun. So that's the power of your mind. So mm. there is for sure some degree of like, influence that you can have mm. now it's not that the systems don't exist in your body but they are autonomic systems so they work by themselves so how much control can we take over it if i hadn't run into um give it to me vim hoff oh, yes, if yes. i hadn't seen his story over and over and yeah. over and him put himself into lab situations to let his core body temperature to be read where they injected him with like a virus and they mm. watched his immune system like respond and increase right. his immune count and everything like that was all crazy yeah so hey man maybe some people can tap into it i think that we're very much at the forefront i think right now even if it's there's an underlying bit of truth um, I think we're at the leech bloodletting stage of what may become medicine later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, right now we're, we don't really understand it. Yeah, I mean, just as much as we only understand uh, a small percentage of how our brain works. I mean, who knows? Again, this is, I don't know what I'm talking about, but maybe 
as we start using more of our brain, maybe we <laughs> will discover that there's some sort of healing factor in our well, brain. Well, here's the thing, though. So the whole we don't use our brain thing is a myth. And I used to love a that myth. myth. A myth. Yeah, yeah, we use, you use your brain. You use it. 100% you, of it. 100%. What? So you just don't, you're probably never 100% at any one time, but what system is, right? Yeah. So, um, in fact, think of a hard drive. It sketches out if you're using 100% of the CPU resources yeah, and all that. Um, so, but yeah, the, that, that, that was debunked a long time ago. Oh, we only use 15% of our brain. If we use it all, we'd be fucking superhuman. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I take that back. I stand correct. That's why I didn't watch the movie with um, Morgan Freeman about that little girl who learns to use like 100% yeah. of her brain. I didn't watch I was like, it just oh, I can't get into I didn't, it. Yeah, I just didn't get around to it. There's too many yeah. movies out there. There's too many movies. Uh, okay, but who knows? But then yeah, again. We, we may learn yeah, that, we, oh, shit, there's like, this is how you tap into it. These are the hooks. Exactly. Like, whatever yeah. it is that Wim Hof is doing, yeah. like, maybe we can all learn. Yeah, maybe it. we'll tap into something and realize that we're, we have a healing factor somewhere in our body. I don't know. Yeah, there's this whole, uh, God, what would you call it, meditative yeah. class. It's called Toumont. Yeah. And they can supposedly do a lot of the stuff that Wim Hof does. They can take like a dime-sized part of their palm and make it hot, but like a centimeter away and it's cold. I don't know if I buy it. Yeah, but you know, it's, it's funny. I had a friend who was into that and she considered herself a healer. And we went hiking up this mountain in Burbank. And uh, you could see the trail from miles away on a freeway anywhere. Uh, it's like a prominent well, uh, trail up the mountain. And it gets really steep when you're up there. It makes Runyon or any of these hiking trails in LA look like a joke. And we were coming down it, and I twisted my ankle pretty, Ooh. pretty badly, and I hit the ground. If she Mr. Miyagi's you, I'm gonna be way into this story. Well, <laughs> she t- gets down on her knees and she pulls down my sock. I'm like, what are you doing? And then she puts her hand over my ankle, and I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, remember what I told you about that I'm a healer and I've been into this medica- uh, meditation class. And I'm like, yeah. And she holds her hand there and I keep talking. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, shh, shh, quiet. <laughs> she held her hand there for about, not even lying, five minutes. And she goes, get up and walk. And I got up and my ankle hurt. <laughs> I was like, you didn't do a damn thing. I was so mad. I was like, get out of here. And we had to hike that mountain. You know, Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> and I was like, for a moment, I believed. I was like, what's about to happen? What is about to happen? And then nothing happened. That is amazing. <laughs> I love that story <laughs> the most. Even more. And then I was just like, oh my God. I mean, maybe because she ripped my sock off. I don't know what it was. But I had to go down the mountain with a sore ass ankle. Ouch. Yeah. yeah. That is so amazing. So the hovering hand. That has been my experience with Miyagi <laughs> moments as well. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. So um, yeah, that's about it. That is about it. That My alarm that went off was to signal us to All right. wrap yes. it up. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of After Impact with Dr. Joe Dispenza. If you haven't already, by the way, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.